this month we've been in our deeper relationship um, sermon series and this morning I have the privilege of having the two most awesome people um, up on stage and interviewing them because this week we're going to be talking about marriage and it is called it is it is called sexy relationships so we're going to talk about marriage so if if you have your your children around and you don't want them to hear certain things just want to let you know we're going to talk about marriage we're going to talk about marriage so with that I want I want you guys to give me a hand in welcoming Pastor Brendan and Pastor Sharon to the stage I'm excited for this guys how's everyone doing you guys all right yeah Oh, I got some like echoing on my voice there. It sounds nice. <laughs> you like your voice? I do. In the mic? I do. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for, for, for um, doing this. Thank you for, for giving us a window into what is a 17 years of marriage. Has it been 17 years already? 17 coming he's, up in April. He's a number guy. I would have said 14 years and then <laughs> would have corrected she, me. She always gets it mixed up. I'm like, so. how many years have we been married? Yeah. 17 years you guys have been married. That's amazing. What, what is, what is, what has been the nicest or what has been the biggest surprise that you've had in marriage? Like in getting to marriage, like what is something that you did not expect? And this, I'm throwing you guys for a loop. I didn't, I didn't, we didn't prep this question. No, we didn't prep this question. Prep this Here question. comes the loop. Um, I think one of the, probably one of the, the greatest surprises, and you know what? It's very obvious to all of you sitting there that we are very different people. Um, obvious. <laughs> you you know, are? And just in case you didn't realize it. If you were colorblind, you would have said, really? You know, but just as we are different in color and culture, we are also different, extremely different in personality. So I think one of the biggest things that was a shock for me uh, through the 17 years is that I never grow tired of learning this man. Like, I think I got him down. Like, list, like, honestly, year two, I was like, I got him down. And then year three, he changed. And then year four, he changed. And then I got him down again. But I think that was one of the greatest surprises, how different we are mm. um, and how different that plays into our parenting styles, our living styles. I'm a spender. He's a saver. Um, I'm black. He's white. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Pastor Brendan, with that question, how have you navigated the, cha- like the differences? Um. That's a good question. <laughs> How have we navigated the differences? Um, well, I mean, first and foremost, um, you, you have to really zero in on your relationship with God. Yeah. Like you have to, if, if we're strong in him, and one of the things I say when I'm doing even with couples and when I'm doing a wedding ceremony, uh, we do a, a declaration of faith. And one of the things we say is if you... If you let your faith grow cold, you put at risk your relationship with one another. So I think there's a That's real good. element of, uh, of, of really God helping you to do yeah. it. I think that's really important. I think, number two, you've just got to be prepared to work. Yeah. Like, you've got to be prepared to, to talk, to communicate, to get help, to go back at it again, to realize, okay, I thought we had this good. We don't have this good. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like sometimes, and, and understand, so there's times where I think we're good, and then I find out she doesn't think we're good. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh, yeah, we're good. Everything's good. And she's like, no, we're not. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, you have to work through, but you just have to, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but if you're not prepared to put in and to grow and to learn and to communicate. It's really important. That's good. I was going to just add something real quick there because you just kind of off-roaded us on this thing. I think that when we both got married 17 years ago, you know, big church, long aisle, 500 people, we said, I do teach Heather, but we said, I do to God in this. That's good. And I think in, in what he just said, just struck that thought in my mind that it's like, when I said, I do to him, I said, I do to like, I recommitted my life to the Lord to steward both my life well, but also to serve him well. Yeah. And I think that's important as well. That's good. That's good. You know, as you talked about um, 
when you said, I do at the altar, you recommitted almost your life to the Lord and serving the Lord. So what would you guys say is the, the godly or a godly perspective on marriage or the purpose of marriage according to God? Um, I mean, well, I'll start with that, I think. And I think there's something that's coming up on the screen for that one. Should be. Should yes. Be? All right. Oh, we're so. prepared. We're prepared. All right. We're prepared. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just, um, I mean, there's many ways you could explain the purpose of marriage and explain what it's about. But I think it's really important, especially in the day and age we're living in, to understand what God has for it. And so we, our pastors, Bishop Flynn and Carolyn Johnson, God brought them into our lives uh, literally a couple months after we got married. And, and I think that was one of the big reasons he brought them into our lives was to really help us as a married couple. Uh, and they've got such a gift in that area. But uh, coming out of the book of Genesis, they always had taught us, and it's always stuck with me, that there's four key purposes for marriage. The first one is to mirror the image of God. Um, that uh, The Bible even talks about, like, as Christ, love your wife as Christ loves the church. It talks about a marriage. And, and then there, there's the talk about oneness in marriage, and even the oneness in the, in the Trinity. There's, there's so many ways that marriage is not just a, a social institution that we can, but it's something that God created. It's something that's very holy. It's something that's very powerful. And I think it's, the Bible even talks about there's a mystery of the oneness of coming together. And so there's an element of in marriage that we reflect the glory of God. And I think today, one of the things we've said, I think in, in our culture and the way things are going, having a strong, healthy, God-honoring marriage is one of the greatest testimonies to God that you could have. It's going to get people's attention. It's going to stand out to people. There's many people, especially in the younger generation, that don't even think it's possible. They don't believe it exists anymore. They don't believe it's possible. So they see it, and it's attractive to people. It gets people's attention. And and it's actually working on our marriage is, is one of the best things we can do to glorify God. And one of the best things we can do to make God visible. So there's mirroring the image of God. Uh, there's also managing creation. So that was the second. It's all the letter M's. Uh, and so managing creation is understanding that God's given us an assignment to walk out together. Like we have our individual purposes, callings, but God wants to intertwine and to bring those together. And then there's a corporate calling that he has. So there's actually God's purpose and God's assignment that we are called to walk out. He brings us together for a purpose. He brings us together for a reason. So number two is the magic creation. Uh, three is mutual satisfaction. Uh, God created love. God created us to be wired to have somebody close to us. Uh, God created us as sexual beings. For, and he create, he's the one who created sex. And he's the one who created it to be so amazing and so satisfying. And so there's an element of just love and satisfaction and just serving each other's needs that God has called. And then the fourth one is to multiply a godly generation. And uh, God said, you know, when he said to Adam, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And so that doesn't mean every couple is called to have kids because everyone has their own journey to walk. But the vast majority of couples uh, are called, you know, will have children. And, and, and that's part of God's call is to raise up the next generation, to, to build and to pour in a generation that go beyond ourselves. Um, Andy Stanley said a quote a number of years ago that's always stuck with me. And he said, the biggest impact you have for the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And, and that's always stood out to me about understanding the power of multiplying the godly generation. So that's just some initial thoughts on the foundation of what marriage is and what marriage is all about. Oh, that's awesome. So we can call it the four M's of marriage. The four M's. There you go. <laughs> the four M's. But I, I really like that quote. The biggest impact that you can have may not be something that you do, but someone that you raise up. And knowing that um, in marriage, one of the biggest purposes is making, making sure that you multiply a godly relationship. I really, really like that. Pastor Sharon, so over the seven 17 years of being married, what would you say is one of the top challenges you face as a wife? And what would be one of the top tips you would give to new wives? Ooh, top challenges. Like just the top challenge or like one, many of the top challenges. No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) Has it been challenging? You know what? Marriage is a fire. It's a fire Mm. of passion and it's a fire that can burn you, right? Really, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the top challenges that I would say that uh, I faced in the context of our marriage um, would probably be um, having a wrong perspective going in about just like, oh, everything that I I did and accomplished in my single life is just going to carry on the same way. 
And I think I didn't realize that there were aspects of the journey that, once again, he said, where God's called us to manage creation, that there are things that I'm going to bring to the table, the things that he's going to bring to the table, the things that God's going to bring to the table. And in one season, we may lean his direction. In another season, we may lean my direction. In another season, we're not leaning either of our directions, and it's just the element of surprise. And I think that um, our journey has been quite a journey. I married him, and I married the church when we got married. So I said, I do to God. I said, I do to him. And I said, I do to the church. She was very brave. I was. All 500 people were looking at it. They're like, do you say I do to me too? You know? And um, I think that that was probably one of the top challenges that, that I faced because I probably, for the first beginning years of our marriage, I, would, I had a very strong inner critic of what was going on. I felt like I was cheated. I felt like I didn't sign up for all this. I felt like I didn't read the fine print. Uh. You know what I mean? I don't know anybody. You buy something, you didn't read the... Fu- okay, that was me, right? And I was just like, what is all of this? You know what I mean? And, uh, and I didn't clearly understand the role of what God was asking of me, um, that there are things in the context of marriage that, that pertain to the scripture that says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can't bear much fruit. So I didn't understand that when I got married, there was a funeral that was happening at the same time. That there was an element of singlehood, an element of my way or the highway that was going to die in that moment. So I think that would be one of my top challenges. And Sheesh, then, hold, hold on, hold on. You said there was an element of singlehood, sing, singlehood that would die at the altar, as you said, I do. Absolutely. What would you say was, would you mind give us, giving us an example of what had to die? Um, selfishness. I think it was like, I want to spend my money when I want to spend, like funny story, like we, um, in our early days of courting and dating, um, I was like, he'd be like, how much money do you make? I can't remember, was it, was it that? Like, you'd be like. I'll tell the story. I'll oh, tell no. the story. This, oh, was, no. this was a very early. <laughs> Don't we have rules about Sharon Joy Witten story. Hey, wait, if we're going to get the story, we got to get it right. Oh, gosh. So, so we're driving along and uh, we're in the car and, and I, so she's working. I said. Oh, you know, I was really polite about it too. If you don't, if you don't mind, how much, like, how much do you make at your job? And she said, I do mind. I was like, I was like, that's none of your business. That's that's just none of your business. Nap. And I was like, okay then, all right. So, so yeah, she minded. I, I did mind. So I, I would say definitely, I did mind. I was very much like, this is what I make. This is who I am. I, you know, I've, I've created a life for myself. I'm successful. You know, I got a degree. Like, you know what mm, I mean? I kind of yeah. felt like, yeah, this is who I am, yeah. and I had to die to selfishness. That's good. That's good. So. Speaking of, speaking of you saying, hey, man, I got this. I am successful. I created this. And PB, you on your own, even being before married, you started a church. You were like 20. Like you're he was like 12 when he started the church. <laughs> Pretty sure he was 12. Did you Him even have Lord. a beard Not back quite. then? They're exaggerating a little bit. No, my hair was up here back then. So that's, that's where I have no hair down here, hair up there. So it's just kind of moved around on my head over the years. <laughs> So you're obviously both really high-functioning people. You're smart. You're talented. You're good-looking. You have it all. You have it. You have it going for you. How do you make? Are you sure- trying to get a raise, Samuel? <laughs> this right How did you know? <laughs> you're you're both high-functioning people. How do you make sure that you're both running running your lanes well, and that no one misses out? Um, I'll say from my perspective, and I don't know if we'll flip it over to her perspective, but uh, that that definitely has been, I think it was one of the challenges that I didn't foresee coming. Uh, not because I didn't want to, but you just don't understand and you're just living your life and you just make a lot of assumptions until you get in the middle of marriage. You start going, oh, wait a minute, we got to really think about this. We got to talk this out. Um, I think from my perspective to really make sure, the first thing I had to really work on was I really had to make sure I understood, and I just let me get my notes back up here because I want to, I took some time on a couple of these to make sure. First and foremost, I wanted to know, I, I, I need to make sure I understand my wife's dreams and what she is stewarding. That's good. Um, now, that, that sounds kind of funny, and it wasn't like I did, because it almost sounded like, well, you don't care about your dreams, you don't care about what she's stewarding, and it wasn't like that. I did, but you just, life's busy. I was used to thinking about my stuff, and, and 
I didn't understand the importance it took for me to really get to understand her dreams, to understand what she was stewarding. I think I just kind of assumed, well, I'm just doing my thing, you do your thing, you tell me what you need. And it was like, I realized, no, I've got to actually take time to understand I'm no longer just responsible for now what's in my heart, but I'm actually responsible for what God's put in her heart. Now, I'm not saying she doesn't have responsibility for it too, but now that we're married, I want to know that. I want to understand that. I want to make sure, because if I don't understand that, and I don't understand what's in her heart, I don't understand what God's calling her to steward, right? I'm not praying for her in that, and I'm not aware of that. I'm not going, like, we're not going to be able to function well together. Uh, Just like if you don't understand it for yourself, you're not going to have self-awareness. I need to have, I'll call it spousal awareness, and I need to make sure I understand with her. Uh, Then secondly, we need to make sure that we're prioritizing this connection here. Uh, We love each other, but if she's got a bunch going on, I've got a bunch going on, without even realizing it, this starts to suffer. And it's totally unintentional. But if you don't put time and you're not investing time, you're not. So I need to understand where she's at. But then we need to really prioritize our connection, what we're doing. Number three, we need to talk and communicate so we can support each other. I think I assumed way too much. And I think, I don't know if it's fair to say, we assumed way too much. But it's like we need to keep that connection. And then we need to be talking regularly and saying, okay, how's it going on your side? What do you need? Okay, what do I need? Okay, how do we work this together? How are we, you know, sensitive to that and really keeping that communication? And then she already referenced it, and this will be my last main thought on this. She already referenced it a little bit, but we also need to understand the different seasons of marriage. And there's going to be seasons. It's kind of like skiing when you're skiing downhill. I don't know if we have many skiers or snowboarders. I've not been skiing for years. But when you're skiing down a hill, you don't just go down straight full speed. That's a setup for a crash. You're going to get out of control. What you learn to do is you go this way for a while, then you lean this way, and you get into a rhythm of back and forth and leaning as you go down the hill. Well, to use that picture in marriage, um, what we've learned and what we're continuing to learn is there's seasons where we have to lean maybe some of what's on my life direction, and she really supports that. But then there's going to be other seasons where we lean back this way. And sometimes you can get, if you don't understand, if we're leaning this way, she can feel frustrated. Like, you know what? This is, this is not my stuff. This is not what I'm about. Or vice versa if we go back the other way. But it's seeing the bigger picture. So like early in our marriage, uh, and there was a number of different factors. For us. Some of it was we were both learning and growing. I definitely had a lot to learn and grow in. But there was a lot because church is very much central for me. And so there was a lot of her supporting what was happening in the church, her serving, her being involved, and in doing that. And she loved it, but she also many times would be saying, you know, but there's some other things God's put in my heart too, and I'm trying to understand how are these going to be fleshed out. But then over the last, I'd say, four or five years, God really started to open up some amazing doors for her. So now we had an opportunity for to lean this direction. And I was working to support her. And so, you know, she gets a chance to travel with Cindy Jacobs. And, you know, she's gone for, what was it, 10 days. You know, so it's 10 days. So I'm holding it down with kids at home and everything. But I'm happy to do that because now we're supporting what God's leaning for her. But I think sometimes we think in very short blocks. But sometimes you're going to have a season where you are leaning one way. But then the other season you need that. And then the other thing I'll just say from my side has really been I have to stay very strong. And thankfully... I felt like I had a pretty good sense of this right from the start. But as a, a man, I have to be confident in supporting my wife and what she's doing. Because sometimes yeah. men struggle with that. Yeah, that's good. It's like because of our egos, yeah. we have a hard time seeing our wives shine. Maybe we'll never say it, but it's like, you know, she can't make more than me. Or she can't get like, uh, you know, so I joke sometimes to say, you know, I'm going to run her book table and carry her Bible for her. as She goes and preaches and people will know me as Sharon Witten's husband. Yeah. But, you know, I'm okay with that yeah. in that level because she's blacked and supported me on so many yeah. levels. So I want to be able to back and support her yeah. as God opens those doors. That's good. It's funny you said she can't make more money than me. I'm like, wait a second. It's both of y'all's money, man. Yeah. If she makes more money, you make more money. It belongs to the house. 
agreed. Yeah. But some guys especially struggle with that. It's true. They, it's they true. Have a, they, their, their ego gets it's up true. too much. It's, it's a thing of pride and ego and not being able to get behind one's spouse and be like, I actually want you to flourish and feeling as if you would lose your spouse if they flourished and like, you know, became something or, or saw the dreams of their heart come to pass and a thing of control. What would you say, Pastor Sharon, in like 30 seconds, what would you say, um, what is one tip that you would give to be able to run well, uh, make sure that your dreams don't die, but also support your husband? Um, I think probably one of the tips that I would give is to, it's like something actually I was reading in the Word this morning in my devotional time, which is learning how to serve, the mm. art of servanthood. Oh, that's good. I think is huge. And the art of honor. Because honor deals with what's going on in the, the inner narrative of your heart. Like what is being said? It's like, you know, I could be smiling at him and he, he's thinking, oh, you love me. And inside I'm like, you irritate I was going to choose some other words. <laughs> you irritate me. Easy though, easy. <laughs> you know, um, but I, I, would, I would say servanthood and honor. And if you would imagine this, that even 17 years in, one of the things that coming into 2022, I was going through it again, was like, God, how do I serve this man? How do I like serve the dreams of his heart? How do I get behind him? How does he, how do I um, make him feel like, you know, he's sitting on top of the world um, through prayer and through my words, through how I engage with him on a daily basis, but also that thing of honor, because I can say all those things, but in my heart have this like wretched, like, um, underscore uh, that's going on that's critical and judgmental. So I would say yeah. those two. Now you've often talked to us about in premarital and even marital counseling about those concepts of inner thought or inner dialogues towards your spouse. Uh, uh, can you expand on that? What is what is negative inner dialogue, positive inner dialogue, and why does it matter what you think about your spouse in your heart? Absolutely, because what the Bible says, out of the heart, yeah. out of the, out of the, sorry, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of people don't realize that you can't have that kind of weird duality, which you are saying something. The Bible even talks about how we deal with the Lord. They honor me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. That thing will be a train wreck in the context of marriage. And I think that we have to guard the garden of our hearts um, as it pertains to how we view our spouse because that will inevitably catch up with you if you don't. So it's things like, you know, if, if I'm upset... Um, can I voice that upset? Can I, as the Bible says, can I speak the truth in love and actually communicate that effectively? Um, if I don't learn how to do that, then what I'm, what I'm saying verbally outside may be like, yeah, you know, you can have it, but inside I'm cutting him down, I'm tearing him down, I'm angry, I've got resentment, I've got bitterness, and all of those things are hindrances to intimacy. Mm, One of the good. biggest hindrances to inner intimacy is the inner critic. That's good. That stops you from leaning in and being wholehearted, as the Bible would say, wholehearted. You know, you can't be wholehearted with God. You can't be wholehearted with those that you love if you internally criticize them. Another reason why the Bible talks about dealing with judgments. Yeah. Right? So I would say that. That's good. So you, you, said, you, said, um, you said something, hindrance to intimacy. So Pastor Brendan, what would you say are, um, would be some of your some of the biggest hindrances to intimacy with your spouse you know i think the biggest thing for me uh, again i was really reflecting on this because you want to share real uh you know very honestly in what's going to help people i think for me the biggest hindrance to intimacy has been my challenges some of it's being a guy but some of it's also my personality uh with emotional connectivity okay um you know, you know, even like, you know, my wife used to say, I just don't feel like we have an emotional connection. And in my mind, I'm like, what the heck is an emotional <laughs> connection? I'm like, what do you mean? You know, it's just like, used to frustrate me so I wouldn't say it out loud or get me in even more trouble. But internally, I get so angry sometimes because I'm like, what are you talking about an emotional Did connection? Did you have a negative inner dialogue, Pastor Brendan? Uh, you know, it wasn't even a negative inner dialogue. It was, it was an exasperated inner dialogue. I'd be praying to say, Lord, 
Lord, help me figure out this emotional connection thing. I couldn't understand it. I mean, and it would be, you know, it would come up and she'd just be like, oh, you know, but, but there'd be times and I had to go on this journey because like she would say to me, you know, something would happen and she would say to me, well, how do you feel about that? And I'd be like, he'd be like lo- trying to locate the feel. I'm like, is it over here? Is the feel over here? I, I just, I don't even think through that. Like, you know, if me and, me and Pastor Samuel are hanging out, like we don't sit there and say, now Pastor Sam is a little bit more of an emotionally connected I, guy. I, I am. But, but we don't sit there watching the game and Pastor Samuel turns to me and says, how do you feel today, Pastor? You know, <laughs> how, how do you feel about the Raptors eight game winning streak? You know, like how do you feel about this? Like we just don't, we don't relate that way a lot of times. Now some of that is cultural, some of that is whatever, but here's the problem. Uh, and, and, and in many ways, even our culture, we're almost taught, we're taught as men the only uh, emotion we're allowed to feel is anger. anger. So that's the only appropriate emotion for men, even though we have many more emotions, but it shows. So if I'm hungry, I'm angry. You know, if you hurt me, I get angry. You know, if this happens, I get angry. All I know how to do is to process through anger. So what happens is, and even some people are listening to me, you know, sometimes a guy might listen to me and kind of go, oh no, now he's going into feely, feely stuff. But here's the problem is if you don't know how to handle your emotions and you don't know how to connect emotions, your intimacy is going to suck. Yeah. Like it's just, it is what it's going to struggle. You've either got to cross this bridge and say, I've got to learn. um, I've got to become emotionally aware. Yeah. I have to become emotionally aware because intimacy and my dad would say this for years. It was just one of my dad's, you know, kind of, but intimacy is into me. See, right. Intimacy is when you see, I, I share in my heart. I share how I'm feeling. I share what's going on. That builds the bond and connection. So here's the challenge. If I'm not even aware of myself of how I'm feeling, yeah. how can I share with her how I'm feeling? Yeah. And how can we bond and connect on a deeper level? Yeah. And how can we do it? So I, 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 I would say I had, but it's an ongoing process. Yeah. For me, it's, it's just a constant development because part of it too is just, again, it, I, I'm an internal processor too. So I will tend to think things out more than I'll talk things out. Yeah. She likes to talk things out. I like to think things out. But again, you could already see how does that cause challenges for our connection yeah. as a couple because something's going on. I want, to, I want space so I can think, which makes her feel isolated and definitely doesn't build intimacy. Yeah. So I've had to learn to talk it out more with her I've had to learn to get better at naming my emotions and sharing my emotions and processing and talking about, well, that made me sad or that hurt me or I was really struggling with fear today with this area, which I was just never good at before. A couple that really helped us with this was Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill and we had them connect and do some things in the church, but they helped me more than ever because honestly, guys, for a while, if I'm honest, it seemed like this this cycle that I could not kick out of. And I'm sitting here and I'd be so frustrated some days because we just had another one of our, you know, kind of our blowouts and I thought things were good. And then I found out from her things are not good. (laughs) And, you know, it's kind of, and, and we have our talk and, you know, I mean, we learned our lesson because we used to try, you know, don't let the sun go down in your anger. (laughs) So we used to try, we're just going to talk and figure this thing out. The problem is the later it gets, the tired you get and the, the more problematic your communication can get when you're tired. Uh, you, so I, I'm telling the story. Yes, very early on, I'll tell on myself. It, it, it reached a high point when we were in the middle of a very intense conversation, and it was like two in the morning, and I fell asleep on her. Oh no! So so I fell asleep. I woke up, and I'm in the room by myself, <laughs> and my lightning fast mind goes, "Uh oh, this could be a problem." And then I hear crying in the bathroom, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like. Oh no, I'm totally done right now. I'm totally done. But here's the thing, realize, right? Don't let the sun go down your anger. Well, if it's midnight, the sun already went down. So, so you might as well just go. We've, we learned if we'll just go to sleep, you know, sometimes a big part of solving a problem is getting a good night's rest and wake up in the morning. And so, so we, we learned that lesson. But I mean, I don't want to labor the point too much, but that was my journey and that is my ongoing journey is because I can tend to slip backwards just because I'm more introverted. I'm an internal processor, but it's, I, it's sharing emotionally and letting her know and being able to share and name what's going on with me. That's good. So what emotion are you feeling right now, Pastor? Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's locate it. Let's locate I, I, I'm it. I'm in work mode right now. Come on, I'm, I'm focused here. I'm focused. Stop distracting me with difficult questions about my emotions right now, okay? Can I add uh, just something Absolutely. to... Can I yeah. just add... I just wrote this down um, as hindrances to marriage and or to intimacy in marriage. And once again, intimacy has to be defined well. Yeah. Because sometimes you say intimacy and people think sex. Sometimes you say intimacy and people are like... I don't know, especially in the church. There's so many different um, thoughts about that. But I just want to throw out a couple of um, hindrances to intimacy. One, which I said that, um, that, I, that I had to personally deal with, the habit of criticism. Uh, number two, bottled up anger and resentment is a hindrance to intimacy. And that's not just in a marriage relationship. Like, that can be with a friend. Number three, failure to communicate. Number four, lack of trust in one's partner or oneself. Mm. Um, if you don't trust yourself, you don't bond well. If you don't trust your partner, you don't bond well. There's not that intimacy. Uh, number four or five or wherever I am. Anxiety about one's appearance. Next, spectator, be, spectatoring. And this is pertaining to the sexual relationship. Spectatoring during lovemaking stops you from being intimate. Um, I can explain that. I don't know if I'm going to explain it. I'm just like seeing if there's kids here. But it's just that whole idea of not participating, not leaning in, but just being a, a spectator in the marriage. Um, a de-emphasizing of the value of sex. Uh, when it's just like, well, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't really matter. No, actually, it does really matter. It is that big of a deal. Um, predictability in mechanical sex. Lack of sensitivity. If you're not sensitive to your partner's emotion, well-being, um, journey in life, then that can cause a lack of intimacy. Um, the absence of non-sexual non or physical touch or media distractions. Now, we're in a generation where this thing, right, this thing right here is breaking up marriages all around the world. <laughs> Legit. Because people are more occupied with what is going on on their phone than they are present with the one that they're with. And that can also correlate between your spouse, you and your spouse, but you and God. You know, he said something that I think was so brilliant with his emotional journey. When you're talking about learning to be emotionally available for your spouse, that starts with learning to be emotionally connected even with God. That's good. How many people don't know or have never experienced the emotions of God? Yeah. Because they don't know how to open up their own heart to God or experience him in an emotional way. Yeah. And I'll jump in on that too. I think... You know, I, I definitely would have my inner conversation moments sometimes. Lord, why is this so hard? Why do I have such a hard time with this? With that, but what I learned is it's all connected. The more I learned to, just what you said, the more I learned to grow in being able to emotionally connect with her, opened up new realms with my relationship with the Lord. Good. Yeah. It also made me a better father yeah. because I learned, especially with our daughter, but also with our son, it made me a better pastor. It made me a better friend. Because there's so much of that, you know, EQ, emotional quotient yeah. and understanding. So it was, you know, it definitely has been a growing process. But again, God brought us together, not just so we could be comfortable, but so that we could really grow. Like he put her in my, in my life. He, he gave me someone who was different than me, someone who had different strengths than me. But part of it was uh, Ewell Crawford, great friend. He's been in here and preached many times. He said, marriage is your seminary. Good. It's actually coming school. so you can grow and learn. But you have to have the humility and yeah. you have to be ready to grow. If you're just kind of prideful and know yeah. I know best and, and just think you know yeah. better, you know, I, I think we joke about this. And you and I have joked about this sometimes. Yeah. A lot of times, especially guys, yeah. like premarital sometimes, you come in, especially a guy's kind of a godly guy. So he thinks like, you know, I love the Lord. <laughs> I'm kind to people. I'll be great in marriage. And then you get into marriage, you realize, oh, I'm really selfish still. I'm really this. I'm really that. Like you think. And there can be a, a spiritual pride yeah. sometimes yeah. even where we think because we're a good Christian, oh, we'll just be great. Yeah. And, and we have to wake up and go, no, I, I need to grow a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, I need to grow. And this is going to expose my areas for growth. Yeah. And I can either make excuses, I can cast blame, or yeah. I can own it. Yeah. And I can say, okay, God, 
I'm going to grow. Yeah, it's true. I love what you said. Marriage is such an opportunity for maturity because the Lord is so after maturity in his children. Amen. And if you allow yourself to go on the journey with your spouse, and the Lord will often, like he did with you guys and my wife and I, will often put you with someone who will cause you to grow. And it's up to us to embrace the opportunity and to embrace the journey to be like, you know what, I am going to choose to go on this journey of growth as opposed to be like, you know what, no, I don't want to grow. You become like me, woman. You be like me because I am the man. I run this stuff, you know? It's really interesting. Yeah, I wonder how well that goes in the King household. <laughs> I know your wife. Nah. <laughs> She'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I... Sorry, I'll say this. Yeah. As I heard some preachers say years ago, if I tried to say that to my wife, I wouldn't see her for three days. <laughs> and then when the swelling in my eyes started to come down... <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife doesn't hit me. <laughs> um, I referenced it at the beginning of our conversation. You both are really good looking people, and you're smart, and you're talented, and yes, I do want to raise. It's <laughs> okay. coming for that raise again. So, my question to you, Pastor Brendan, is this How do you deal with attention from the opposite sex? Oh, man, coming with the, the big question. Coming so. with the big question. Uh, how do you navigate attention from the opposite sex? Again, I, I, I didn't want to wing this one. <laughs> I was like, let me shake sure. You get yourself in trouble sometimes you wing stuff. So. Uh, number one, okay, attention from the opposite sex. Number one, three levels to talk. Number one, I need to talk to God about it. Like, I need to have that ongoing relationship communication with God. I'm going to start just about every answer off with your relationship with God because you've got to draw on your relationship with God. I've talked to God. Number two, I have to have real accountability in my life that I talk to. I have to have real accountability. And number three, I need to talk to her. And that's often the, that, that's often the step people want to skip because yeah. they're, they're nervous, they're worried about it. But <laughs> that's one of the safest <laughs> places we can be. Yeah. Like, actually, I want to give you and your wife a shout out. Because one of the things I've noticed, you guys do this really, really well. There's even times where, you know, you'll just talk about it. Yeah. And it's like this safe space where you'll just talk about what happens. Or you, you talk about, I mean, there's been a couple times you've told me over the years, oh, yeah, I just told my wife that. I went, you did? Because <laughs> like, I struggle a bit more at times with that. Again, yeah. internal processing. But I think it's talking to God. It's talking to accountability. It's talking to her. If I've got conversations going on those levels, yeah. I can navigate and handle a lot of stuff. Yeah. If those conversations start breaking down, I can get into a much more dangerous area. Yeah. And you've got to cultivate that level of openness. Yeah. But I think part of what she did that helped me is if I talk to her about it and I know that... Uh, I don't know, all heaven is going to break loose. Like, it's just a bad scene. I'm yeah. going to really struggle to talk to her about yeah. it. It's like we got to create that safe space for each other to do that. Yeah. I think, I, and I was just going to kind of random scattershot this, I really try and pay attention to my own heart. Yeah. If my heart is in a healthy place, yeah. we're in a healthy place, if some attention comes that could have been problematic, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. But if there's, uh, you know, uh, Jesus said Satan has come, but he didn't find anything in you. If mm. there's some stuff in my heart that I've not been dealing with or, yeah. you know, kind of thought processes, yeah. maybe weird, you know, a fantasy kind of where I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, you know, because as Christians, sometimes we keep doing the right thing. But in our mind, yeah. there's, there's, if, if I got that kind of stuff going on, it's, it gives the target for the enemy to hit. Yeah. But if I'm healthy and I'm whole... It doesn't, uh, another thing that I really try and do, I mean, just really there, First um, Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual morality. Yeah. Now, it's interesting, almost everything else in the Bible says to stand firm. Having done all, stand firm. But with sexual morality, <laughs> it says run, flee. Run, like, run get out for and, your life. And, I mean, if you look at Joseph, right? Yeah. Joseph yeah. with Potiphar's wife, he didn't sit there and go, no, I rebuke you. God, give me strength, you know, whatever. He got out of there. Now, now he left his cloak. That was his mistake. He should have he should have grabbed his coat or gone back and taken his coat yeah. back. But there's a point there where you got to know. So sometimes what I've just had to learn, I call it like I just got to deflect and dodge. So you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, oh, pastor, that was such a wonderful message. You know, and it's a little different than you know someone just honestly saying to me, "That's a wonderful message." You know, so I can go. I go. Uh, you know, you, you see, you're there. You're kind of like. 
okay, this feels awkward at the moment. And you're just like, so it just, well, praise God. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, and then just, where's my wife? You know, like you just, you just kind of make a move really quickly or, you know, thank you so much. You know, I'd love to introduce you to my wife, you know, like, it's just like, and and you just find ways and, but real talks. One of the things I do a very quick internal check with yeah. is, and, and you might, she might build on this a little bit, what she's sharing. I do a very quick internal check on, do I find this woman attractive or not? Yeah. And, and just straight up, because you have to understand, you, you will find other people attractive sometimes who are not your spouse. <gasps> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but I used to feel, I used to feel so convicted, yeah. with more condemnation, I'd feel so guilty early in our marriage if I found anybody else attractive. Mm. And I come under a lot of guilt and condemnation, which would then start to, and then I finally realized one day, I thought, you know, out of 6 billion people on the planet, (laughs) there's probably other women besides my wife that I find attractive and I'm not being disloyal to her by finding someone else attractive. It's just, what will I do with that? That's good. What will I do with that? Will I entertain that? And so it's really in that, you know, you just keep your lines. So, and that's the thing. So if I, and so there's times where if I find a woman attractive, It's I create very clear internal boundaries yeah. just where I'm, I'm respectful. Hey, she's my sister in Christ. But I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, let's go out to lunch or let's talk about the scriptures in this way or that kind of like I just it's just like no. Yeah. Right. Like I'm like lunch. <laughs> come, right? si- come, sister. Let us pray. <laughs> right? like, you can spiritualize. Oh, man. Like you can. So. But here's the thing is. And again, this is if someone's giving you attention, you know where you can either start to kind of dip your toe in the water. And a lot of times it's making me feel good, my ego, whatever else, or just go, nope. And just with that. So that's the journey. But I think you have to stay humble. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I regularly remind myself far greater, more anointed, more, you know, sharp men than me have fallen. Yeah. So I got to stay humble and dependent on the Lord. But if we keep this strong and we're talking yeah. and I'm talking to the Lord and then, then, you know, you stay on the right track. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So along the same lines, yeah, Pastor I, I'm, Shane, I'm curious. I want to hear this. Uh, <laughs> thing. Here, here, here comes a question. Uh, along the same lines, Pastor Sharon. So y'all been married for what, 17 years together for like 19, 20? Um, well, it was about a year year and a half before. Okay. I mean, I loved her for years uh, before I that, but I, I had to I was about to say, in, didn't so. you start your game like well before? I started very poorly. I say that. So it took about six years. but Six but, years. But I persevered. You went to work six years. Well, you know, I, I can I make mean, that I, sound better than that. I, I liked her for two years and I finally got over her and then took all the pressure <laughs> off, which actually there, because she was just not having it. But uh, then we actually developed a friendship and God ultimately brought it together when we need to be together. Because when I was 19 and she was 16, when I fell for her and told her she was my wife, it just wasn't a good scene. So. Don't, don't be saying things like that at 16. Everything you don't want to do of <laughs> over-spiritualizing did. things, I did. I, I had a Bible writing all the promises of her being my spouse and then when I finally got over it I crossed it all out <laughs> and I said always remember you don't hear God all the time or something like that so I heard you sent flowers for a high school no no I didn't send flowers I it was it was I, 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 it's actually embarrassing now thinking about it I, I sent like a message and I like cut words out and put them all on the page so it looked like it looked like a ransom note or something. So, so I didn't realize this, but when we finally got together, her family all said, wait, isn't he the stalker? Wasn't he, wasn't he the stalker? That, that, so, so that's how it was known throughout her entire family for the first little while. It was, I was the stalker. That's so if you hilarious. want to know what not to do, I can give you lots of lessons of what not to do. But in all fairness, I have to say this, in all fairness to us guys, if she had been interested in me, it would have been sweet and romantic. Because she wasn't interested in me, I was a stalker. So No, that's still pretty creepy. I'm imagining like the letters from the from like yeah, the magazines was, yeah, that, that cut was, up. That was not my finest moment of romance, let's say that. So So anyways, to so my question. Y'all been together for However, however many years, married for 17 years. In that journey, Pastor Sharon, have you ever found someone else more attractive or attractive? Not more, not more, not more, not more. 
Not more. Get some trouble. Not more. Not more. Not more. I don't get the same question. That's not the question. Have you ever found someone else attractive? Another man attractive? Yes. <laughs> Why? How? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> In which I, way? Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, like I think that, like he said so brilliantly, I think that we are going to find people attractive other than our spouse. You know what I mean? Like I find him, like he, you know, uh, okay, let me just stop. I'm like, I was it, it, we're words. going into sexy week. Go yeah, ahead. we are going into sexy week. <laughs> like obviously, I love him. Obviously, I find him attractive. I find him, and once again, here's the interesting thing: that there are many forms of attraction. Yeah. There's physical attraction. Humor is attraction. Spirituality is an attraction. Um, kind. I mean, there's so many different aspects of don't, attraction. Don't forget high intellect. High intellect is an attraction. <laughs> um, so for many of the, the reasons why I married him, I'm super attracted to him. And, but the, here's the interesting thing. There can and will come other people along your journey that you find attractive. Um, I think for me, obviously being a female and just being, you know, in culture or whatever and traveling and different things, like I've had different situations where, you know, I call it, what do I call it? The man hero moment. That's what we call it, the man hero moment, where it's like, you know, I'm on a plane trying to get my luggage in the cabin, and some guy's like, I'll help you, I'll save you, you know. Why is the guy's voice so high? <laughs> I, can't do, I can't do a, I'll help you, you know, and, you know, these moments, you know, where people um, come, like, I had one moment, I told him about this, where I was at the gas station by our house, this guy, three-piece suit, good-looking guy, whatever, I'm, you know, coming out of the gas station, and I can't remember what he said to me, he said, um, hi, I would absolutely love to take you to lunch. <laughs> you guys laugh at you. Oh, no, you're not Okay. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and I looked, I looked at the gentleman and I said, okay, this guy's good looking. But I said to him, thank you, but no thank you because I'm actually married. And he said, oh, that guy must be one lucky guy, you know? And I thought to myself, you know what? Um, we have to... Dude's even trying to be smooth when he's right? rejected. <laughs> right? Come on, man. This is my story. No, I'm joking. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that every single day I wake up, I choose him. Ooh, say that again, Pastor. Every single day that I wake up yeah. and I go about my way, I choose him. Yeah. So you can throw, you know, the kitchen sink at me, you can throw whatever, and it doesn't mean that it won't catch my eye because God has created us to behold beauty. That's good. And to be like, wow, that person's really good looking. Or wow, you know, I really find their humor attractive attractive but the the element for me is is that every single day I wake up I choose him yeah um and I think one of the things I'll just say this for myself personally um because we both travel we both tend to travel together and then I've done some travel without him I actually prefer to travel with him because I prefer to be with my best friend with my lover and and I think that you guys call it man code, right? Like, it's like, yeah, there like is a man code. you guys call it man code. It's like, you, you see the, the lady, she's with somebody. It's not like you're going to try to, you know, whatever. Unless you're really brave. Unless you're really brave. And you, you, you have a really one, dumb, a really dumb, <laughs> one screw loose. But I love to travel with him because I love the protection that that brings. I love the comfort that that brings. But even if I'm not with him, I still choose him. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? And I still decide, like, in every moment, you know, whether it's the guy at the gas station, whether it's, you know, I have, like, different stories in different places in the earth. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, why would I, why would I settle for something that I've, I've already made a commitment here? I already choose him. Why would I settle for something else? So I think that's how I would answer that question. That's really I good. Feel. And I was going to say, too, to dovetail out of that. I think you're actually healthier and you're safer if you can identify, oh, I find this person attractive. Yeah. And then let me handle that yeah. properly. Yeah. Because again, because I would feel so guilty yeah. in those early stages, I would try and convince myself, oh no, it's not attraction. Yeah. It's this, oh, they just remind me of my wife. That's why it is. Or this <laughs> or that. Or I'd, instead of going, no, I find this person attractive, let me be honest with it, with myself and with whatever, and let me just handle this in a proper way. It's like naming and being yeah. real about what's going on. Or else on. you just spiral. Yeah. You just ignore what's really going on, and the next thing you know, you're ending up in a situation that you did not want to be in because, you know, Barry White, the music is playing in the background, <laughs> the fog has descended, and you're trying to figure out why. I, how do you end it up how here? How did I get here? It's because I didn't really find him attractive. No, no, I did find him attractive, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, she reminds me of my wife, 
Sir, your wife is black. This lady is white. <laughs> this is not. Yeah, so no, we've, we've all, we've all, or I'd say for myself too, went through that journey of being like, yo, I don't know. I'm not attracted. No, there's no attraction here. I cannot look at any other woman except Ed Esther Kanga. And if I do, I'm going to hell. And then you have to come to terms. Like, it's true. There's other women that you will find, like you said, the different levels of attraction physically attractive, humor, uh, in- intelligence, so on and so forth, and spirituality and having an open dialogue, one with God. God, admitting it to yourself and then talking to your spouse about it be like hey man hey this is what it is but I choose you every day at Esther Kenga every second of my life I choose you girl he's trying to get a raise and he's trying to get points with his wife I mean he's just taking full advantage I, of I am I have a mic uh, let me say one more thing to that real quick because I know we got to wrap this up soon I, I, and I don't know what you're going to next I would like to talk a little bit about the disappointment I don't know if you were planning to go there but uh, I think, too, if you understand yourself, you understand what you find attractive, that really helps. Yeah. So, like, for example, um, like, I find spirituality is a very high attraction point for mm-hmm. me. So, I remember, like, even it just, it's really there. So, like, she'll pray or she'll preach. I'll just be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so <laughs> in love right now. Like, I am just, like, whatever else. But I also have to be aware. So, you come across someone else who's just... You know, yeah. another woman who's a, 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 you know, a strong preacher, really strong in the Lord, that's just, I, I'm aware of that, so I yeah. can respect that, yeah. and I can honor that gift, yeah. but I also just a little bit more of just let, yeah. me, be, uh, let me be circumspect and let me be yeah. wise here, because I understand this is a quality that I find very attractive. Yeah. So with that, can we talk about the different types of attraction again? So there's physical, there's intelligence, Physical, there's intelligence, spirituality, humor. Yeah. Um, and ooh, there's another one. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones that fit in. I don't remember. Okay. But those are like the core. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to be kindness. Yeah. yeah kindness. Like you yeah. know what you find attractive. Yeah. And, and you get more. It's that self I mean, again, part of my journey, self-awareness, emotions, yeah. understanding what's going on. The more you're real there, the yeah. more you can talk, the better you can build and the safer you yeah. are. And I think it helps, especially for men, because once again, we talked about the only emotions we've been allowed to feel is anger. So to know what types of attraction there is, there, there are, it, it helps kind of navigate our hearts to be like, oh, I'm actually attracted. I don't find this person, let's say, physically attractive, but I'm drawn to them because of their humor. Or I'm drawn to them because I think they're really smart. Or this is a value that I hold. So with attraction, it isn't just for dudes, especially because we've been told forever that if you find a woman attractive, physically attractive, that's the only form of attraction there is. But there's multiple points of attraction that we need to learn to navigate and navigate well. Um, next question is this. You know, in relationships, we are all faced with disappointments. How have you managed and dealt with these disappointments and remained available to your spouse? Whoever wants y'all, to go y'all first. Are looking at you know me. what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to Pastor Sharon first. Go okay. ahead. Um, disappointments. Um, yeah, we've faced many disappointments in our marriage, um, being married for 17 years. Um, I've faced personal disappointments. I think we went through a year that we called the year of hell where we lost a mentor, a baby, and my father all within eight months, I think it was. Four, Four months. Um, so definitely a disappointing year, um, on many fronts, I think. Um, and then we've just, I I mean, like, I feel like we go maybe like a year and a half and then we face a major disappointment than another, like we just, we've kind of lived and abided in a place where there are highs and there are lows. And I think that one of the things that I, um, I did not do well, I would probably say with particularly that year of hell, you know, with the death of our mentor, the loss of a baby and the death of my father and the death of my brother years later was that I, um, I didn't take the necessary time to process through grief the way I needed to. And I think that I didn't communicate well with him some of the pain, ongoing pain and ongoing um, dealings with grief because grief looks different in different seasons and I think what I did that was bad in the context of our marriage and church was just like okay well church has got to keep going we just got to keep going you know and then I would have these moments of like deep dark places where I would expect him to like fill the gap 
and be like, you should know what I'm going through right now. You should be present for me right now. You should kind of come to the table, like meet, meet me where I'm at. But I left uh, him in an unfair place because I wasn't communicating well what I was going through, nor was I dealing well with the pain that I was facing. So I think that in our journey, we've had many conversations where I've had to sit and be like, I'm sad, I am down, or I'm being triggered. You know, uh, just the other day was the anniversary of the death of my brother, and I was feeling all manner of stuff. And because I'm prophetic, prophet, like my wiring is super sensitive on all every given day. And I think that I've, over the last few years, I've had to learn to communicate more with him in the place of vulnerability, offering vulnerability um, in ways that I have not done in, in the early stages of our marriage. Um, because if I did not do that, it would lead me into a place of chronic despair and chronic disappointment. Um, and chronic, it's like what the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's something that happens when you don't get over something or you have prolonged grief or you have, um, you, it just, it can set you up for a deep place, a deep, dark place in the context of marriage as well. Yeah, I think on the disappointment side, um, we're all going to face disappointments in life and we're all going to have that journey. Um, you know, I was trying to think of some specific examples. I Definitely when we had that year, and especially for me, the miscarriage. Uh, you know, it was good. When, when Cher's dad passed away, so it was in that same block of time, um, you know, it, it obviously didn't hit me the same way it hit her, mm -hmm. but I was working to support her and to walk her through that journey. But I remember the miscarriage. I mean, I was so devastated. Um, yeah, and, and there was multiple layers I, but I remember the very core thing, I really felt like I'd failed. Like I felt like I didn't protect my family, I didn't protect my wife, I should have prayed more. Like how did, you know, and you, you go through all those processes and, and I remember just really being so devastated in my heart and trying to understand how to walk it out and, uh, and, and yeah, how to stay connected. Because one of the, I mean, we've seen this for years now too. Um, for many couples, what really starts to cause that that breakdown in their marriage is is a tragedy or something they go through, and it drives them apart instead of pulling them together. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, I, 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 I've said this virtually every answer, but, I mean, I had to dive deep in God. It's like you either run away from God or you run to God, but when it's, it's so hard, it's like, it's, it's like I can't afford to stay neutral right now. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to something to cope, let me make sure I'm going to God to cope, yeah. or else I'm gonna start going to something else, and that's usually not good at all. Yeah. Um, I think that you have to make sure, I had to learn, and this is part of, I had, I had to have people I could talk to, even be, I had to talk to her, but I had to have people I could talk to. Yeah. I had to, you know, have a place to process. Yeah. Like I remember being on an encounter weekend that our pastors ran. And I remember uh, just talking about, like we had a kind of a group share moment with guys and I remember just sharing and crying, but just I was terrified. Like, you know, because I think, I'm trying to remember if we, Micah, we now had Micah, or I think I was just so afraid it's gonna happen again. Like this was our first experience. Is like we're, this is always gonna happen. And then I think, then the third thing is you just gotta fight for this. Like I think we just, even in that, we just have to keep, fighting for relationship, keep talking. We can fight each other or we can fight for each other. And we had to really just, and sometimes it was mechanic, sometimes it wasn't working well, but I'm like, we're, I'm not quitting. Mm -hmm. Like we're gonna keep working on talking. And then I think the other thing with that miscarriage was when we came together was we said, okay, God heal us now. Let's, let's really believe together for the right outcome the next time. So I remember like when, we, when she was pregnant with Micah, that was a scary nine months. And it, because our only experience now had been of losing a pregnancy. Wow. So it was, it was there. And I remember, I, I remember, I mean, we probably went to the hospital. So anytime anything was there, like, go to the hospital, check her out, you know, and just go and kind of with that. But one of the things we did was we got a, a daily scripture confession. And we used to just read it together and pray it together. And it was one of our, oh, it's a rough day. Okay, let's go to the word together. And I remember we... We just, we did that like every single day and, and it was just one of the ways we battled back against the fear and we just battled back, but we did it together. 
So it was like we, we both processed, but we went after it together. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you. Oh, did you have something to add, Pastor throw, Can I throw one more question in there? Sure, absolutely. And this is just because this came up as a question. Um, some of you had filled out the Q&A to come back, and I just felt like it was something that um, sits around the mind of a lot of believers that it's like inquiring minds are like, what is the true biblical reality on this. Do you know what question I'm going to ask? I think I do. Then go ahead and ask the question. I, I think I, no, but you have a way of asking the question. Go okay. ahead. No, I think one of the things that um, we've been asked in premarital and in marital uh, counseling with couples is when it comes to biblical, um, you know, when it comes to what is healthy in the sexuality, the area of sexuality, everybody who's always asked us this, it's like, what is, what is healthy? Like, what, what would be healthy? How many times a week? All that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, really? You want me to tell you that? But I felt like one of the things that we did want to comment on is this, is that we have sat with so many different couples in the last maybe like three years that have told us things like in the, in the context of their marriage that they have not slept together for a year or like six months. The devil's a liar. Devil's a liar. Or like um, a long period of time. And I think that that would be deemed unhealthy. One of the things our pastor said to us in our early age of, of our marriage our marriage was a toddler maybe, like maybe three years, I think, in or something like that, was, and I think we asked a question, we were with other pastors and we were talking about this topic, and he said, you know what, if you look at like, we're not gonna tell you, okay, you should have sex twice a week or three times a week or once a week or whatever, that is between the couple, like you've gotta figure out that rhythm, but if you're going longer than like 10 to 14 days, then you need to ask, you know, outside of, regular, you know, you just had a baby or a female cycle or someone's away or whatever the case may be, you may want to ask, is there something, begin to ask the question, is there something going on? And I say this because once again, we have sat with couples in our office that tell us things that we are like, say what now? Legit, like what? Like we both like, you know, we have to keep our our, our straight face because we're just like, (laughs) because sex in the context of marriage is a gift. It's a gift. Say that again, Pastor. Sex in the context of marriage is a gift. You heard that, Anastasia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think we could get Pastor Jared to do the interview next year. <laughs> no, I'm playing. You're doing a great job, Pastor Sam. Um, but it's a gift. And sex was created from God. We are sexual beings. And that is a major part of our identity. It's a major part, not a, just a sidebar issue, but a major part of our identity. And if we devalue that part of our identity, then we're going to end up with problems in the context of our marriage. That's good. Most women say, oh, sex is a guy thing. No, 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 no. Like God actually designed both parties when sex occurs in the marriage for there to be a, a renewal and a refreshing of our covenant love. And if that is not happening, then we've got to ask the question, why is that not happening? And if there are issues that prohibit you from having sex, then that is a, go see a counselor, go see a therapist. Like there are legitimate issues that pop up for people, but don't just ignore it and pretend like it's not a major issue. No, it's a part of who you are. And that's why the Bible says that when you sin um, in a sexual way, in sexual immorality, you sin against your own body. So I just, I didn't want to end on this like highly sober moment, but I just felt like it was something that needed to be said because there's so many people that are, are not doing well in their marriage and, you know, giving all kinds of excuses for why they're not sleeping together. And I'm kind of like, say what now? Like, don't get me wrong. There's rhythms and seasons, but it's not, it's actually not healthy. The Bible says it actually, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, don't, um, don't, don't deprive each other of that unless, except for prayer and fasting. So don't be going on these 40 day fasts and stuff like that. Then come back together so you would not be tempted. So you will not be tempted. And if you are tempted or you're giving yourself to pornography, other people, whatever, then there may be something that needs to be fixed in that context. Oh, that's good. That's good, Pastor. One last question as we end. It's been really good. So 30 seconds. What is the thing that you love the most about your spouse? (laughs) <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> um, 
30 seconds is far too short of uh, well a period done. of time well done. to tell of all the things that I love about my wife. I could go on for hours and hours. Um, you know what? There, there seriously is many, many things that all are part of this. I think one of the things I love the most is just watching my wife's, um, you know, her strength. I've watched her walk through so many different things in life, keep her heart pure, uh, you know, just keep pushing. We're going through tragedy and family, and and it just she amazes me. Like she just amazes me at how she just like she's a dreamer, and she just keeps believing God. And and that's one of the many things that I love so much about her. Amazing. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things that I love the most about him, and it's one of the major re- reasons that I married him, honestly. Um, I don't know if you remember that TV show called Old Yeller. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring up Old Yeller. <laughs> it's that dog, right? That, <laughs> that dog called Old Yeller. Did you um, just call Pastor Brendan a dog? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Um, but Old Yeller in the show was like stable, loyal, and faithful. Mm. And this man is stable, loyal, and faithful. Like he is, and the integrity aspect of this guy astounds me. Like I remember in our early days of, of, of dating, you know, where we went into like a bookstore or something because we're both nerds and we both like to read books and we're in there like going through magazines or reading books. And I think you like, um, you kind of crinkled the side of the magazine like by accident and he took it to the front and was like do you need me to pay for this because it's not straight anymore and I was like what (laughs) and then another time where someone gave him too much change back and he was like no I need to take the change I mean this man has driven back to stores because people have given him too much money back or by accident we took this or whatever happened and I think what I love about him is what you see is what you get he's not one person at home and another person in front of people. Like he is just old yeller, stable, loyal, faithful. (laughs) Awesome. And with that, can we give them a hand, please? (laughs) So thank you so much for, thank you so much for doing this, pastors. And with that, let's just pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have. We've had to be, um, to learn even more about marriage, God. I ask, Lord, that the seeds that were planted, that were sown, will, will bear much fruit in the soil of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Wasn't that good, guys? That was awesome.